Hi, thanks for joining Your Body Advocate podcast. I'm Ruth Cummings, your host, and today I am interviewing Michael McAleese. He is the owner of a school of massage in Illinois called School of Holistic Massage and Reflexology. And we have a really fun conversation about all kinds of things, body, muscles, and massage today. Let's take a deep breath to relax. Ready? All right, here we go. You're listening to Your Body Advocate, telling your body's side of the story. The podcast dedicated to supporting and improving your body-mind connection so you can live a pain-free, passion-filled life, dissolving one body tension at a time. Discover the healing properties of your own body language, and together, let's explore ways to support and improve essential self-talk. Now, here's your host, Master of Encouragement and Body-Mind Life Coach, Ruth Cummings. Hi. Hi, everybody. Today we have Mike McAleese. He is a massage therapist that I know. And let me read you his bio so we know who we're talking to. Mike McAleese, in 1992, Michael's calling led him to pursue a career as a certified massage therapist and reflexologist. In 1993, he opened his own practice, the Holistic Massage and Reflexology Center. Michael was selected by a group of his own peers and inducted into the Massage Therapy Hall of Fame on August 8th, 2016. Happy six-year anniversary about that, by the way. Today's August 8th. This is quite a feat, being that there are over 350,000 massage therapists and 23,000 private massage schools in the U.S. alone. Choosing School of Holistic Massage and Reflexology for your education means that you will be taught by a documented leading expert in the field. (laughs) I love that. Well known in the sporting community as both an athlete and sports massage therapist, Michael and Somar, his school, those students provide massage therapy at many Chicagoland sporting events. By participating in these events, the students gain an edge working in real world situations while gaining invaluable training outside the classrooms. Mike's motto is helping others to help themselves to move better, to feel better, and to breathe better, one step, one breath at a time. Hello, Michael. Hello, hello, how are you? (laughs) Thanks for inviting me on. Oh, heck yes, this is gonna be exciting. Um, You have so much to offer and I am ready to learn today. So tell me why massage? Why did you start your career in massage? It's a, it's a nice long story. It's almost like a love story, to be honest with you. Uh, I was dating my wife at the time. Well, we, we just celebrated our 28th wedding anniversary yesterday. Oh, congratulations. So we, we were dating and I was, you know, the typical boyfriend, let me rub your feet and all that. So <laughs> it, it started like that. She had gone to a massage therapist and uh, they had a school there. Right, so it's a long story. So if I can get through this, I won't take up the whole hour. Uh, so she, she said, hey, my boyfriend, I think has good set of hands. Uh, and so they said they had a school there. So I went. And that was before licensing here in the state of Illinois. So it was a one day, four hour class a week uh, for uh, nine months. So it, it was good. So that's how I, I, I fell in love with massage. 
Okay. I actually started doing reflexology first and, uh, but then it just kind of mended, it blended together actually reflexology and then massage because they both go hand in hand. Yes. So that's, that really started me on the journey of just doing massage. Before that, I had a couple of other different life journeys. Uh, I was in the printing industry for many, many years. I ran a printing press. Uh, during that time, uh, I had gone to seminary. So I, uh, I became a minister, uh, got licensed, ordained, and I got all that stuff. I was working with a lot of uh, kids that were involved in street gangs. So like my bio, the longer bio has that in there. But uh, so one thing led to another and uh, my love for massage just kind of took off one step really slowly. But it just, uh, I haven't looked back. When I went in to doing full-time massage uh, with my my own practice, uh, I haven't looked back and I won't look back. I mean, you know, all the things that I, have been able to do and, and all the people I've been able to help. Not only that, all the people that actually helped me, you know, so I, I feel like what we give to our clients, man, they just give back to us. And uh, so that's really how I started my career. It just, uh, it was, it was good. And I never wanted to be a, a, an employee. And uh, one of the things that I, made a promise to myself, I would never work for anybody else ever again. You know, just being in the printing industry, the corporate world and all that. Uh, so um, I was at a, an event, it was a criterium, a bike criterium. Uh, a lot of the professional cyclists in the country that were on the Olympic team, they came in Downer, to Downers Grove, Illinois. And they also had inline skating. So I'm trying to make a long story shorter, but it's not happening. Uh, there I met some really uh, cool people and I was doing massages for the cyclists and inline runners. And uh, there was a chiropractor there that saw me working and, uh, you know, he asked me if I wanted to, you know, join his practice and all that. I, said, I don't know about joining your practice, but I can run out space. Uh, but the good thing, the cool thing about that was I got a chance to work on Apollo Ono. I don't know how many people remember Apollo Ono. I think they just remember him winning Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> he was only like 16 at the time. Uh, and he was doing more inline skating before he went to speed skating. So wow. I, I had the chance and his manager uh, kept bringing him up to Chicago for me to work on him about once a month. Him and Chad Herrick. I think Chad Herrick also was speed skating, but he never made it as popular as uh, Apollo Ono. So wow. that's, that's my story on that. So, and then you started, when did you start becoming, when did you add personal training? When I, this is going back about 11 years ago, I got bored being a massage. And I wasn't bored being a massage therapist. I got bored doing the same thing over and over again. The continuing education classes were basically, um, no, a lot of massage therapists will get mad at me, but that's okay. Um, they're the same thing, just wrapped up in a different version with a different title. Yeah, I agree. If that's my opinion. Uh, so I needed to do something different because a lot of my clients were constantly coming in hurt from the gym. You know, it's like, I, I'm, I'm working out and I just can't get rid of this pain. I don't know what the personal trainers telling me this, this, 
So, you know, our scope of practice as massage therapists is almost nothing. Okay, if I can say that. Uh, so uh, I, would go to, I would go to the gym and I would watch what they were doing, but I couldn't say anything. You know, I just, I couldn't give many pointers. All I could say was watch me. So I would get on the machine and I would perform what they were doing. And I says, this is what you're doing. And looking around, when you look around our nervous system, you know, especially when you're working out, if, if you're talking to so everybody and your eyes are moving or your head's moving, guess where the muscle strength is going to go to guess. It's just the nervous system is going to go that direction. Does it, that make any sense? It's like driving a car and you start looking one direction. Oh yeah. The car is going to float over there. And that's what happens. So uh, I was introduced to a gentleman by the name of uh, Dr. Evan Ozar. And he had just started with his fitness education seminars. So he had just started doing this work, uh, blending personal training, massage therapy, actually fitness, uh, and then uh, some physical therapy and really wasn't soft tissue work. He would talk more about uh, fascial release because you know personal trainers across the country, they, they cannot do any soft tissue release. So he started with that and I went to his class. It was a year-long class. I was the only massage therapist uh, out of 15 people. Most of them were either chiropractors, already physical therapists. Uh, so I was the odd person out. And I was surprised that I passed the test. I passed the, uh, the just the, not, not only the practical, but the written thing too. Uh, and it was a hypothetical. I had a 40 year old golfer and he had this kind of pain, this, that, and the other thing. And I had to come up with a program, how to help him to get out of not only pain, but to actually move in the optimal position. So his golf game could get better. So, I, you know, for the whole year, I had to do a lot of case studies. Um, and that they also got me interested in doing more research. So, uh, that's how I got into personal training uh, it was via Dr. Evan Ozark because I wanted my scope of practice as a massage therapist not to be so narrow. I wanted it to be bigger. I wanted to be able to share with clients this and this is what's, what's happening. I wanted to go a little bit deeper into this is what's happening. This is why you're, you're, you're constantly being injured. I can work on you. I can do all the soft tissue work until the cows come home. But until you change something, it's going to stay that way. So let's see what we can do. And, and things just started to change at that time. I'm very thankful for my rock star clients who love every time I was learning something new. Number one, they didn't have to pay for the services, but they let me uh, use, use them. So Play on yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah. And so... I enjoy it. I love it. Uh, at my office, I actually have a gym there. I call it Mike's gym, you know, so I don't know why I pay for gym membership somewhere else or for the pool maybe. But um, I have my clients, especially, you know, we look at how they're moving. Uh, are they moving non-optimal, optimal? I look at how they're hinging. I mean, I, I'm this... For massage therapists, I think this is really important to be able to look and to help, you know, and, and yeah. we can do all the soft tissue, we can do all the myofascial release, but until we get the central nervous system to 
say, okay, this is the right way. And so the person can stay moving in that optimal uh, uh, way of moving. Yes, that's awesome. I'm, uh, I definitely, I became a personal trainer a long time ago too. And I, I use it all the time. And I think that, well, just because the scope of practice for massage is so limited, you know, yeah. you have to add it to be able to do some different things. But I wanted to talk to you. We've talked before. And but for our audience, there's a lot of athletes listening and just a lot of people who have, you know, they've done a lot of massage in their life. And um, but I wanted to talk about, you know, some of the, the isms about how muscles exist and how they hurt um, lactic acid and how to, uh, should we be using ice? This is a great conversation that's, you know, in the, (laughs) um, yeah, you know, just as much as we can in our time together today, we can always do this again, but um, where would those, would you like to start? Would you like to (laughs) discuss the best or first? Ice versus heat, it's, it's a major discussion amongst, I think, not only um, anybody who's in the body work or uh, fitness industry and the massage industry and physical therapy, chiropractors included. Uh, but after listening to uh, Gary Rinaldi, uh, the author of Iced, uh, I think I sent you a link to there. Uh, yes, we'll add it to the show notes. Yeah. And just uh, reading what, how he, Actually, he said he made a blunder in his research. There was a flaw. And he was the one, if for everybody to know, he was the one that came up with rice, rest, ice, compression, elevation. He was the father. He was the founder of that. And now he's traveling the country, I don't know for how many years, trying to change people's minds. Uh, and right. uh, so ice, you know, is it's. Basically, it's good for the nervous system, not the nervous system. It's good for the client. And that's about it. Bottom line. Uh, now, with, with heat, I have found, and, and, and you know, it's just definitely true. And, and Dr. Rinaldi actually has that in his book as well. Uh, I like to use the analogy. You know, you've been hurt. You're in an ambulance and you're on your way to the hospital. And you get stuck by a railroad crossing. You got a passenger train that sits there and then you got a freight train that's going really slow. And then you got another freight train going real slow and you're sitting there for 20 minutes. And that's about as much time as ice is on an area. That's actually all it's doing is freezing the tissue and it's stopping all the nutrients. It's stopping all the, uh, the lymph, everything that needs to put out the fire for a healing. I mean, 20 minutes is a long time for the tissue to stay frozen. And it's just, um, it, it after reading that and talking to him uh, and doing a little bit more research on that, I, I've turned completely to heat, you know, and uh, a little story. I had total knee surgery done last year. It's, a, it's been a year now. Uh, and of course, hospitals are going to ice. This, so they had my knee packed in ice and I was a little, I was out of it. I had all the drugs in me that were really good. So anyway, uh, I developed drop foot. Uh, usually that surgery, you go home the same day, but, uh, my, uh, left foot was just, was just hanging around. It wasn't, I was trying to get it to move and I said, ah, not going to happen. So 
I pleaded with the night nurse and the doctor, uh, the surgeon, I said, I want heat on my knee, at least on the popliteus area, you know? Uh, so they said, okay, just to humor me. And then uh, a few hours later, when the muscle was warmed up without the ice, I was able to start moving and flexing and extending my foot. So by the time uh, I was, it was time to go home, the physical therapist came in and I was moving my foot. And I said, see, this is what heat does. So um, I'm a firm believer in it. Oh, I am too. That's my story. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely agree with you in my own, but I was brought up and so many of us were, and rice is so easy to remember. You know, so it's, it's across the board and for sure when my kids sprain an ankle or hurt something, I just, I run to the freezer and it's like this innate type of um, response to that type of um, injury. And um, I just think it's interesting how our society uh, is like that. And it's hard to change those, um, you know, ingrained ideas of how to heal tissue. And it does stop pain for a minute. Um, so I remember I had both my ACLs um, tore, torn and had to have them replaced. I didn't have to have them. That's a terrible thing to say. I did have them replaced. And anybody out there who tears their ACL, in my opinion, say after 25, I would caution you to um, replace them instead of doing that, just really rehabbing your knee and getting it really strong, mm-hmm. unless you're doing, um, you know, professional athletics. And even then uh, there's some, cause you have to do the rehab anyway, if you can do the rehab and get your knee to stay um, in place without that ligament. Um, I, I was able to, it was funny because it took me six years to have the first surgery because I didn't um, I didn't have uh, health insurance. So I was waiting. And when I got married, I was like, oh, let's, you know, let's fix my knee. And the surgery was harder on the knee than ACL. And so it was interesting. Um, then I just, I just played into the, this is the only option you have. Yeah. And I, I wish that we had actually discussed some, some other options. And so that's why I want to just mention that if you have a torn ACL and you're considering what to do, yeah, talk to a really good physical therapist or a really good personal trainer and see what your options are. How loose is your knee? You know, you know, how much of the ACL is torn, but even with, um, even with that, one of the, the first things that I did, it was really uh, it was a pretty bad knee injury. And, um, I went to acupuncture and, um, the doctor put in this huge knee into the middle to touch the ACL. And so I was watching him put it in my knee and that was, I almost passed out first of all, but it, it kind of buzzed really warm. And for months after that, maybe even years after that, I was fine. It was really strong. And I'm not sure if, that area, you know, what happened, but that was really, uh, really fascinating to me. And I think that there's a lot of therapies out there that are very helpful and not every one works for each person. Right. And so I think that's also something to, 
you know, to consider is what, what does your body need and to be open to the options that might come your way. I do believe that they come towards you if you need it. That's, yeah. you know, how I believe. And especially if I'm praying for it, that I believe that it shows up. And it was interesting at that time, things were coming towards me and I was um, deflecting them because I thought surgery was the only way, but yeah. looking back going, Oh, I, I did have options. And, uh, but back to the ice, you know, that was the first thing that happened. Uh, I, I tore my ACL on a soccer field and uh, an ambulance came onto the field to get me. And the first thing they did was put ice on it. And, um, but yeah, still in those years, that was a long time ago. Um, it was still the number one, you know, and I work on a lot of college athletes and pro athletes right now, and they still, they get into the ice bath. They, you know, it's not, it's just, I don't think right now, these guys, I don't, I think might be their children that will then stop using ice. But right now it's still, uh, it's still big time in the athletic world. What are your yeah, thoughts it, on that? It, it's, it's going to be a long I mean, it, like you said, it's ingrained in us, in us, and it's been like that for such a long time. Uh, but it's us, up to us, really, those who really, uh, really understand the, the studies behind it and the research behind it. Uh, and as, as long as we can educate our clients, um, that education will move on to the next generation and, and their kids. I, I work with a lot of triathletes, uh, professional and just, the, you know, the regular age groupers. And they were surprised with my protocol of using heat. You know, I got to have ice on my hamstring. No, just trust me. <laughs> That's why you're, you're here. Uh, I would just use the heat. I'd have them go home, put heat on it every so often throughout the day. And, you know, they're standing on the podium. Right. So, exactly. So that, that's how it gets started, you know, it's with our clients and then they tell others, you know, but you're still always going to have the people who are going to fight you. So I, I don't argue with that. I just like I'm laying out my game, my, my game plan, my protocol, my treatment plan. You could take it or leave it. It's your choice. I mean, we do that with all our clients. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it is ultimately their choice. You know, you can't, um, you can't chew for them, right. Or drink for them or yeah. at home, put on heat. <laughs> yeah. If they choose to do that. Sometimes I say, all right, if you really need to use ice, just like psychologically, it's helping you, you know, could you end with heat? Could you yeah. just start, you know, do the ice? It's fine. But could you end with heat? And um, okay, I can do that. And so that's one of the ways I've been able to get out of that argument. Um, and, but, you know, I'm not at home. I'm not keeping notes or seeing right. what they're up to. And, you know, I wanted to ask you an interesting, what your, what your thoughts about how, um, how fascia um, stays stuck. I'm going to throw you a curveball. We haven't talked about this yet, but especially um, for emotional pain. What are your thoughts on that? Fascia, yeah. fascia. I can go one way or the other with that one. Okay. Yeah, go, there's go. A, there's the John Barnes method of fascia unwinding in uh, the emotional, uh, the emotions that are tied into the fascia that are covering muscle, covering organs and memory, muscle memory. 
And then we can go the other direction where fascia, you need a scalpel to actually move it. So the two different sides of the, of the coin. Uh, we know for a fact that muscle and fascia move together, skin, muscle, and fascia, they have to move together. I mean, they, they have to have that glide. Now with fascia, when we're doing any kind of uh, effleurage, long strokes, or even, you know, any of the techniques that we know, uh, when we feel that, 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 that part that's kind of, it's not moving, uh, I, I feel like just, I use the term hanging out in that area and just having the person breathe in that area. And I have found, I can feel the skin, I can feel the fascia, you know, just becoming softer. And, you know, that's, that's the way I deal with it. Uh, it's just, there's too many arguments on both sides of the stick, especially in our profession, uh, which is sad because nobody ever is going to agree. You can line up a hundred massage therapists and you're going to get a hundred different answers. So, but John Barnes, I mean, John Barnes, he started the whole thing and then, uh, uh, which is good. And I, I give him a lot of credit. I, I've had a lot of good friends who've gone through his, uh, his courses and, and they're fantastic. They do fantastic work. Uh, but it's, it's, um, it takes a long time for fashion to move. You know, uh, as massage therapists, I mean, we can't spend 30 minutes holding on the fashion to hope it moves. Uh, but uh, it, it takes a long time. So a little bit that we can do, you know, for me personally, it's, it's, it's more of a, a smaller section that I have to work with. It's not the whole complete fascia structure in the body. So I just take one small area. And if that helps, if there's a, a limitation with movement there, if we can help that, that's good. Um, and, and also using, you know, not tools, but, uh, there's a ball that I use is called Roga, R-O-L-L-G-A. Uh, and it's, it's not a foam roller type of thing. Uh, it's just something that I can at least get some, it's, it's a tool, but get some movement with the skin and muscle and help the fascia just to kind of re relax a little bit or uh, become more supple. I, I, that's the way I see it. That's my, my viewpoint on that. So, um, so not quite the scalpel, but not quite the uh, John Barnes method. Well, the scalpel, I, I, I was at a, a class one time and the, the instructor who was teaching, she was more on the science side of fascia, you know, instead of the esoterical side. And, and she, she really claims that the only way to, to move fascia is to take a scalpel. And that's because fascia is really tight because it has to be to hold everything together. So I look at that and then I look at the other side too. I try to go with both sides and what's, what's going to work. So. Interesting. Yeah. I'm on the, I guess I'm, I'm more, if you're going to call it esoteric, then I, I think I'm on that side just, um, but I do hold things for a good, um, I don't have much patience, but it <laughs> seems like an hour. So it's probably about 10 minutes. <laughs> um, but yeah, getting, a, getting an area warm and, and pulling just gently yeah. in one direction. And um, it definitely seems like uh, whether it's just the skin, but there's, you know, I've definitely seen some changes and it's, it's too bad in our profession that we don't um, we don't all come together and kind of have uh, better discussions and, 
you know, agreements and, or I guess, you know, people can disagree to disagree, but there's, there's so many great teachers out there. And I mm-hmm. wish that we would communicate and be more, you know, team oriented, but yeah. I'm a, I'm a team player. Yeah, I am too. I, you know, I, I'm in agreement with you about, you know, holding for, seems like an hour, <laughs> but it's like 10 minutes. Uh, you know, I'm st- I still work on clients who want to come in just for a 60 minute massage. So if they do have a fascial restriction, it's like, okay, what do I do? I have to flip the coin in my head and what am I going to go after? If, if it's a limited range of motion, I'm going to go with more fascia, do some fascia stretching and, uh, you know, and and go from there. And then I, I explain that to the client before I really move on any further. Yeah. For sure. I mean, I like to play with the fascia and the, and let the client know they do love that. I mean, they know it's coming because I usually have a hand on both sides of wherever we are and, you know, the knee or the, wherever it is trying to find um, another tight spot. And I like to um, see how they communicate with my hand and also with different types of pulses. Sure. So, you know, that's really fun, but now you're just you were just mentioning, and I'm going back to kind of to um, how to do a massage, and maybe massage therapists listening. But like, I think it's interesting how how you you just described. You said I have 60 minutes, and then I have to decide in my head really quickly what to do. And I think that's one thing. After having done massage for so many decades, like we just get used to our time frame. You know, mm-hmm. I know when it's five minutes, I know when it's 10 minutes, I don't have to look at the clock. And um, I, I teach with Susan uh, Salvo over here. And um, we were, you know, it's interesting going back to their point of view as a new therapist, how to do that. It does, I think, take experience, but how do you plan your sessions? That's a tough question. <laughs> it all depends on the person coming in. You know, sure, um, yeah. a lot of my clients now, uh, since I've had the knee surgery, uh, I've kind of cut back a lot. But when I was working with a lot of folks in between teaching classes, uh, depending on the person and what their, their chief complaint is. Uh, and then I would, uh, you know, let me take a step back. The way I teach my students is this. When the person calls you to make an appointment, I ask a lot of questions. You know, I don't do anything online to have them sign up or, you know, I don't do the online scheduling where they get to pick. Uh, I ask a lot of questions because we have to become a detective. Okay, what is your, what is your reason, uh, your purpose for coming in to get a massage? And if they start to tell me the things, I start asking a lot more questions. And I'm already jotting down my notes uh, to get ready. And that helps me to at least come up with a treatment plan. So when they do finally come into the office, uh, I spend a good half hour, maybe 45 minutes just talking to them before uh, we get into the treatment room. And they know that beforehand. I'm not one of those therapists that just um, surprises people. You know, oh, you're not going to get your hour massage because we talked for 45 minutes. I let them know when you come in the first time, we're going to talk a little bit maybe 45 minutes to an hour, and then we'll do your soft tissue work. And that's the way I build my schedule. So uh, it's, it all depends on the person, all depends on what their chief complaint is. And that's how I, I, I 
develop my treatment plan. Now, after I redeveloped myself as a massage therapist, it's made it a lot easier not to have to chase the pain, you know, with, with assessments, just the common assessments that uh, I actually teach my students uh, as well, I'll do just to see where they're not moving optimally. Uh, I go, always go to the foot, so I'm a little different. I, I go to the foot, I look at the big toe. Is that big toe, we need 35 degrees of extension of that big toe as we're walking. And if that person has a rigid toe or, uh, you know, just the toe is not giving us the 35 degrees of extension, then I know, okay, upline and when we talk about fascia, we look at the fascial lines then. And then I will go kind of there a little bit. I will let them know what we're doing. And, uh, and then I, are you okay with it? Are you, are you okay with the treatment plan? I let them say yes or no. And, and that's the, we go from there. I don't force myself on it, but people are coming to me now because they understand where I'm at with not only movement, but, and personal training, but also then what we're going to do with soft tissue. They know they're not going to get a full 90 minute rest, namaste, relaxation, massage with beautiful music with the whales screaming and dogs barking. I play reggae in my sessions. You know, I think the massage community is not going to like me, but uh, I play reggae. I play reggae. So, and that, that just keeps the mood going uh, because if I'm going to do anything really firm to deep, I want them to think that they're on the beach somewhere in Hawaii or the Caribbean. <laughs> a, lot like of my, my, a lot of my oncology clients love that. They want to know, they want to be on the beach when I'm working on them. Oh, that's lovely. I, I, do you like Pat Metheny? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I play, <laughs> but I'm a, I'm a, I'm a percussionist, a drummer, a jazz drummer. And so oh. uh, that's, that's my favorite to play. And, um, so some of my clients have heard those hundreds of times, unfortunately, but um, I like to know, I like the, the same music, which is, I don't know how, how smart that is for um, their com comfort, but <laughs> it calms me down when I'm working. <laughs> music oh, is important. important. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's about us. And I think that if, um, I guess if it, if it bothers a client, I would change it, but um, I've never had that. Um, I've, only had one, I've only had one client say, you know, I really don't like that reggae stuff. Can you play something else? I said, okay, do you want the dogs barking, the water's running? Uh, which, which one do you want? My clients know my jokes are really terrible. They sign up for that. I'm, I'll never make a stand-up comedian anywhere. But uh, even my students, when they sign on the dotted line, I tell them, listen, the fine, 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 finest print says you got to laugh at my jokes or you flunk the course. <laughs> Gets them every time. So when, what did you start your school? I hear, I, I'm, I'm reading here 1999, right? With your wife, but is that, and she was, you guys were married at that time? Is that, how did yeah. that happen? So you just kind of. Uh, we got married. We went to a church. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. You walked right into that one. I did. I did. <laughs> oh, hopefully they're not going to cut that one. <laughs> I'll tell uh, them not to. Well, to be honest with you, the way I started with massage, how I, I got into it after my wife went to that massage therapist and, and all that, um, they said they had a school. Um, one of the things was my wife, before we met, actually, we met in high school, then 18 years after the fact, we bumped into each other again. Oh. That could be another podcast. <laughs> uh, that sounds uh, juicy. All right, it, go ahead. It though. was really fun. So anyway, yeah. um, what had happened, 
they were her and the guy that she was with, uh, they were rear-ended. The car that hit them was there, it was going over 150 miles an hour. So the car just wow. kind of uh, exploded into pieces. And wow. uh, she, she had her seatbelt on, but uh, she had whiplash to the nth degree. And uh, she had told me about that. And I had no clue what to do. So with reflexology, I just picked up a card and I started working on her neck. And she says, wow, this feels good on my neck. And I went, oh, there's something here. I just thought it was satanic or something. <laughs> you mean reflexology? Yeah. But, you know, I, that's how I actually, I went into reflexology first before I became a massage therapist. Uh, but because of her injury to her neck, uh, it got me more interested in doing massage. And uh, it, it really, it's, it's paid off. I mean, the, it, uh, with her cervical spine, she, she does definitely have arthritis because that's, that's, that's a gimme with any kind of whiplash, especially severe whiplash. Uh, but I've been able to help her. And that's one of the reasons why I went into massage is if I could help my family to get out of pain, Uh, It wasn't so much movement at the time it was just get out of pain and to feel good. Uh, That's what I wanted to do. And then one thing just led to another. So uh, I was doing, I was after, let me go back. When I was in the printing industry, I was in, I was going to school at the same time. Uh, So when I started doing massages part-time on my days off, uh, I started picking up a lot of clients and it was just a lot of it was word of mouth, which I'm very thankful for. Uh, And then when I was able to go into it full time, uh, I was working 60 hours a week. I mean, I was doing that many massages and my wife said, Hey, you know, you just quit a job all those hours and now you're going back to doing this. I didn't know how to say no to people. And that's, that's one of the boundaries that we know as massage therapists, we have to say, no. Uh, so uh, long story, it just, uh, I forgot the question. Well, how did, how did you start your massage school? <laughs> okay, thank you very much. In Susan's book, and I want to thank you, Susan, if she's going to be listening to this, your book says at 65, you become a senior citizen. I'm 65. Thank you. <laughs> so how I started the school was because of that. I was working so many hours and I really wanted to teach. I felt, uh, I felt like I wanted to teach reflexology because uh, there was really no schools out there that were teaching it like the way I envisioned it. And then I, uh, I was doing that first. And then uh, luckily, I, I'm blessed with this. There was a massage school in another uh, city south of where I'm at. I'm in Downers Grove, Illinois. So it was south. And uh, uh, the guy who owned that massage school, he he actually was one of the founders of the Chicago School of Massage. And he filed a complaint to the state that I was giving out certificates without being a state-approved school. And I went, okay, this is good. I already had started the paperwork. And so because he complained, I did not have any animosity towards the guy. I thought, well, this is a sign that I really need to do this right. So that's how we started the school. I got all the paperwork in and uh, I got approved. I took him out to breakfast and I said, thank you for, you know, you know, pushing me to get a school started. He just hung his head low, Uh, but that's okay. His, his philosophy and everything was different. And 
with all the schools in the country, and I know a number of school owners, and um, all of our, our philosophies are different. The bottom line is helping people to get out of pain or helping with stress management, because we know science has been really good to massage therapists over the last 15 years, proving what we do actually works. Uh, so I started the school out of that, you know, uh, and we, we started with one student, which was good. And this was before licensing in the state of Illinois. Uh, so uh, we started with one, then we had two, then we had three. And by that time I had gone through four instructors because <laughs> they were all chiropractors and all the students, they look like deer, you know, the head and the headlights. So I had to find somebody, but we just, every couple of years, we redeveloped the school and the program. Uh, but starting the school was because I was working too many hours at the time and uh, I needed to do something different. Uh, if I wanted to teach, I had to do teaching and still do massage, but cut my hours back on the massage, how many people I saw. So I hope that answered your question. It did, it did, it did. So on the school um, uh, pathway, and subject, in your opinion, how many students who go through massage school in the nation are still massage therapists after five years? That's a rough, tough question. I, rough I, I wish, rough estimate. I, I wish I can be honest with you, but I know the lifespan of a massage therapist after five years drops dramatically. Uh, I don't know a number. If I was the guest, I would say at least 80%. After And I contribute that to bad body mechanics. Yeah. Uh, not only that, uh, it's just the expectations that the schools give the student when they're signing up is a little too high. Because uh, I know a lot of, uh, I interview all my students because you know, I'm the one. I'm the one that's going to be teaching them. Uh, and they also interviewed me. And that's, you know, it's a two-way street on, on the interviews. Um, so uh, uh, schools, and I know the AMTA, they, they have put out numbers and what to expect your first year out of massage school. And I look at that number and it's like, okay, who who's, was brainstorming this number? Because it's not true. You know, Is it too high? People, I haven't even looked at that. Is it too I high? Think, yeah, the last time I looked, they were talking $30,000 a year. Okay. Your first year. And it's like, what? <laughs> no, your first year out of massage school, you're, you're hustling, you're doing everything you can. If you, if you make $1,000 or $2,000, you're lucky. It's beer money, it's vacation money at that time. Uh, you, to make six figures or anything near that amount of money, you, you have to be working your butt off or you're charging $100 an hour. Yeah, that's just yeah. that's my personal opinion. I think the numbers are wrong. I know, Susan, I love you. You got some numbers in your book, but uh, <laughs> I, I go I, I do talk about them. And I also talk about what's really the truth on that. I mean, Susan, I know she I hope she doesn't hate me after this podcast, but uh, she goes with a lot of research. Oh, and no. I give her a lot of credit for that. That's why I use her textbook as well. Oh, yeah, it's a great textbook. But I think that the numbers are hard to follow. You know, it's hard to, you know, I don't think anybody's really gone and we can use, um, no one's really gone and, and researched who's working still and who's not. Yeah. And sometimes it's hard to tell, but 
you know, I hustled and, and also like, so these massage therapists are coming to school and they're meeting you, you know, and they're meeting me and they're meeting Susan and they're meeting other therapists who have been doing this for 30 years. And they're like, Oh, okay. And it seems like, you know, they can be like us, but you know, um, I try to be very honest. Like I am a go-getter. Like there's not very many people that have been able to keep up and, you know, we're like that. Like I was able to do 60 massages in a week, like you did. Mm -hmm. And there's not very many people who can say that. And there's, um, so I commend you by the way, you know, and your hard work and everything that you've put in for our, our, you know, our profession, I think it's needed. I think a lot of people, if everybody in the world had a massage once a week, I think the world would be a much different place. And, you know, getting the word out there and <clears throat> all these years, as you remember, I mean, I remember just, you know, they didn't, a lot of people didn't know what massage was, you know, in the, in the nineties and it got better and better. But um, I just wanted to hear, cause I heard someone tell me um, 5% make it after two years and 2% make it after five years. And mm-hmm. I never forgot those because of the, you know, because they, it's like a rhyme and mm-hmm. that made me want to hustle even more. Yeah. You know, because it's, it is hard out there. You have to, you have to pay attention to your own health, not only health with your hands and your body, but you have to be eating the right food, getting enough rest, taking care of yourself and having boundaries. You know, once you get to 60, you're like, Ooh, Oh, Nelly, got to stop that train. And, but it's kind of fun to get there. It's like, wow, look at that. And then, uh, yeah, after that, uh, you have to kind of pull back and recognize what your body needs. But what do you think is most important for a new massage therapist, the top three things for them to make it after graduating and getting their license? And so here they are, they're set up. And what do you think they need? Three things. Well, if they really listened in school to their instructors and they, they did their homework and, and they listened and they, they have to do their due diligence right before they even get out of school. I mean, we have a business plan. The students have to present their business plan. And like I tell them, some communities, you have to go in front of the a village council to present yourself and what your plans are. And that's what we do. We have a, a mock council and I'm the mayor. So they, they have to get through me before they even get out. And I've been really surprised with a lot of the students. I'm, I'm, I'm really honored. A lot of them are working full time, uh, which is like, wow, this is, this is cool. I like it. Um, but the three things is just do your due diligence, find a mentor, work alongside of somebody if you can. I mean, don't go into a corporate uh, for some people, they, they, they want to jump, jump right into, you know. Uh, I know what you mean. Yeah, right. Like massage. And I think yes. everybody across the country knows that the ones I'm talking about. But find a mentor. Find somebody that you can learn from. Somebody who's been in the business a long time uh, and is really knowledgeable. Also about research. Because there, there's a lot of things out there, a lot of myths that are out there. Like we were talking about lactic acid. All right. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll let's touch on that one. Uh, but I, I, I tell my students, find a mentor. I, I'm more than happy to be your mentor, but you've just been with me for a year and I've given you all the information that I know 
because I, I tell them the good and the bad and the ugly things that I have done wrong. Uh, things that I was like triple booking on one day. It's like rookie mistake. You know, I've done this a couple of times or I've gone too deep on somebody after they said, that's really hurting thinking you need this. Uh, I've made those mistakes and I share with the students, Hey, you're, I made those mistakes. Don't do those things. Um, this is what school is all about. I, I will break you of your habits, especially body mechanics. I will be, I will give you the father look with one eyebrow up and my lip curled. Uh, so I'm, I'm an eagle when it comes to, uh, I'm a hawk, I should say, when it comes to body mechanics. But get a mentor, really work and ask a lot of questions and just pay attention to your clients, what they're saying. You have to lean in to learn to listen what they're going through, what their complaints are. Uh, and they're, they're, they want to talk to you. They want to trust you. And you have to build that rapport. Don't think you know it all. Because many massage therapists, when they come out of school, they think they know it all. And I, I made that mistake. Uh, and I'm surprised I'm still working because of that mistake I made. I thought I knew more than a doctor. And that was a big no-no. I mean, he still refers to people to me because we had a nice talk and I, I had my tail between my legs because he, he, he brought me down to where I needed to be. Uh, and I learned my lesson. So just being mentor, learning your clients and just, uh, you know, don't think that you're, you're overly smart, you know, learn because you still are learning once you get out there. Because once you stop stop thinking that you're learning, you're dead. Oh yeah, I'm. I feel like I'm in kindergarten still, as far as the body's concerned. It's like, wow, look at look at that. Just huh? never knew that could do that. Wow. I'm still learning, and the the, uh, the human body amazes me. You know, every time I work with somebody, and they they are moving better. Now, I'll, I'll give you one story if I can. Uh, with, you know, why I redeveloped myself as a massage therapist. I started working with a lot of folks who uh, were living with, are living with cancer and they're some form of treatment. But I've had quite a few women with breast cancer come in uh, before COVID, of course. And uh, I asked them what their goal was for the session. I want to comb my hair and brush my teeth. I want to be able to get my arm up in the air. I said, okay, that's your goal. And I said, that's my goal too. So uh, with redeveloping, and you talked about personal training, I was able to understand, especially scar tissue, how the scar uh, is not going to let the muscle move like it's supposed to. Uh, so working the scar tissue and then teaching them how to work their scar. Because uh, all the, que the question I always ask, did the surgeon or the physical therapist, anybody show you how to work that scar? And all the answers were no. And I went, oh, geez. So I would teach them. And uh, a couple of the women, the first group that came in, uh, ladies came in and she says, look what I can do now. And she took a brush and she was brushing her hair. And she couldn't get her arm past, you know, this, this far when she came in. Uh, and just working the scar, giving her, giving her some exercises to do, which I could do now. Uh, it made a big difference in her life. I mean, she's, she's happy. She's thriving. Uh, 
you know, she's still working her scar every time she takes a shower, just like I told her. And she'll send me an email. I'm working my scar. I said, okay, I don't need to know you're in the shower. <laughs> but uh, yeah. I love that story. I love, you know, we do help so many people and it's such a rewarding career. So those who are listening, who are starting, just keep going. And um, you can always call me. You can call Mike. We'll walk you through those hard days <laughs> because they're coming, <laughs> but that's okay. Cause a lot of good days come too. For me, it's been just a lovely career. So I, Mike, I, what, what, Oh, I was going to, but continue. I was going to say, let's talk about lactic acid, but we can. Well, let's go there. Say? I was just going to yeah, say, yeah. I love, I love what I do and I love sharing with others. I mean, you know, my byline is I love to help people to help themselves because as massage therapists, we can do all the soft tissue work, but we need to show them what they need to do at home. I call it home play because nobody likes to do homework. Who likes to do homework? Nobody does. You know, when you're a kid, you never did. I mean, I would ditch my homework and go out and play. But um, I give them home play to do. And uh, as long as they do that, then we're working together to help them to feel better and to move better and to that's breathe great. better. You know? So uh, that's changed over the last, maybe, like I said, 10, 11, 12 years. Uh, I'm, still, I'm still learning more about that. And let's get to the lactic acid thing. Yes. Um, yeah, that's how we are. It's right with ice, you know, how we were raised that um, you're going to flush out the lactic acid. Your muscles are sore because there's lactic acid. Let me, mm -hmm. let me get that out of your muscle so that your muscles hurt. Those are my, my remembrance, my remember, my memory, sorry, of those conversations. So tell us about lactic acid. Okay, there's two ways I present it to my students and I present it to my clients. To the students, I, I really joke about it. To my clients, I try to get as serious as I can, but I also make a joke about it. I usually say lactic acid, okay, that's the burn that runners will feel. That's, you know, especially with the runners that I work with. Uh, that's the burn that you feel. And then it goes away. And guess what? I'm not there rubbing your leg while you're running. Otherwise, you'd be tripping. But it's just the, the liver takes care of it all. I mean, we the massage therapists, we're not that strong. I mean, we're moving things, but we're not removing lactic acid. It's just, um, and I, I just kind of let it go with that. It's just uh, the liver does what it has to do. The body knows how to get rid of, I call it muscle poop. I'm sorry, but uh, I'll probably get in a lot of trouble for that one. That's okay. Uh, it's just, it, all it is just, the byproduct of the muscle energy just, you know, it's, it's, it's there and it, the liver just takes care of it. That's what our lymph system does. So there's no, you know, we don't need to do it. We don't need to tell people that, yeah, I'm going to push all that lactic acid out. You know, it's already gone before they even get to the office. The runners feel it. That's the burn that they feel in their legs. And then it goes away. So, so <laughs> hey, well, thank also, you for that. Yeah, you're oh, welcome. I also, I also tell people to listen to Laura Allen's Toxin Talk. Oh, okay. I don't know if you're familiar with Laura Allen. I think so. <clears throat> Talk to Susan about Laura Allen. She's a great lady. Uh, and she's got uh, on YouTube, uh, it's called the Toxin Talk. Toxin Talk. Okay, I wrote it down. Yeah. I'll put now, it there's in our, a, in our there's another notes. icon in the massage industry. His name is Cliff Korn. 
And uh, he's also come up with uh, um, some science behind the lactic acid myth. And uh, he, he's been promoting that for such a long time, but schools are still teaching it. Massage therapists are still using it. I still have clients say, hey, I know I need to drink a lot more water to flush out the lactic acid. I said, no, you just need water because it tastes good. Yeah, I, um, yeah, I don't really, I guess I've already talked to my clients about it. I haven't had that conversation in a while, um, but yeah, there's all these myths and things that are showing up in more research. And I, um, I love how Susan is so good at finding the perfect research for certain subjects. It's really, it's really cool. And I, I would like to delve into that and learn that a little bit more, but you know, my, my list of what I want to learn as, you know, by my bedside is so long, the books I want to read and the, you know, all the podcasts I want to listen to the, the TED talks I want to listen to, et cetera. And there's yeah. so many, there's um, in the, there's so many research articles that I'd like to really study also. So I'm doing one at a time and, but there's so much that we're learning what are, how our muscles work and how they don't, you yeah. know, the, what works and what doesn't, what we thought, just like the, with heat and ice, you know, things change. And I think that it's better to be very open to possibility of how the body heals instead of being stuck and stubborn. Yeah. One of the things that uh, one of the researchers that I've come across, his name is uh, Dr. James Elliott. Uh, he was the head uh, physical therapy instructor at Northwestern University in Chicago. Uh, and he's actually one of the leading experts when it comes to whiplash. Okay. Uh, and, you know, when there's a big court case, uh, he, he will be the expert witness. And he usually, the person that hires him, they usually win a ton of money because he knows his stuff. Um, and the research that he's done and his team has done, especially with whiplash. And I know a lot of massage therapists, we all work on somebody who's been in a motor vehicle accident. Okay. And, you know, we, we know what we, we shouldn't, shouldn't do, but we also need to learn also after a certain age. And I believe his research is showing that after the age of 35, if you've been in multiple uh, car accidents with, with whiplash, uh, what happens to the muscle tissue is fat infiltrates the muscle. And that is that it really took me by surprise. He was actually, I had him lecture at a school one year because his, his wife happened to be a student, which I was like, score, this is cool. Um, but uh, when he talked about it, it just uh, it made a lot of uh, the students like, what? And uh, I had other massage therapists come in and they, they didn't believe any of a word he said uh, because of that. Uh, did something, go, that was my computer one ding i'm sorry oh no problem <laughs> uh, but he's he's got the mri the, the real uh, deep mri uh studies to show how the muscle tissue actually turns into fat and that's something that is like okay we can do all the soft tissue work guess what it's, it's not going to change anything uh this is why uh for a lot of uh, physical therapists they're they they continue doing the same type of exercises like personal trainers will do and nothing is changing. So uh, with that, I just wanted to throw that out there because we had talked about researchers and I just, I forgot to talk to about Dr. James Elliott. He lives in Australia right now and he's just a great guy. 
and his research is just uh, it's impeccable. I mean, he's spot on with a wow. lot of his stuff, and it's, it's changing. It's I, I'm hoping one one day that it kind of filters into the massage business, our, our massage education with that type of research. And I think Susan, she has done a fantastic job. I'm not trying to build her up. She's already an icon in my eyes. I, I love working with her as we were writing the test for national certification and board certification and all that. Uh, and that's how I got a chance to meet her. And I just, I just, uh, I really adore her. She's just really smart and she's got a crazy sense of humor. <laughs> yes, she's a lot of fun. <laughs> but, uh, you know, she has brought a lot more research into it. And I think for massage therapists, that's what we need to do. We need, if you want to be a part of the medical profession, like everybody wants us to be, you better start reading research and leave all the myths off the table. And let's, when we do our, have our practice, when we come up with our treatment plan, let's have it research-based. Okay, the, it, 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 the proof has to be in the pudding because people always ask, you sure you know what you're doing? Is it really going to help me? You know, and the research is showing, yeah, but it's not going to be overnight. I'd be a gazillionaire if it was. Yes, uh, yes, that's true. Hey, Mike, this has been really fun. Um, thank you for your time today. And I thank can you. we meet again and, and, and get into some some uh, other ideas of massage and how muscles work and how muscles heal sometime? Yeah, I, I would be honored. I'm actually honored that, you know, uh, that you asked me to come on as a guest and uh, I do appreciate it. Oh, it's great. I, I love your work. I'm so, I'm, I'm thankful to have gotten to meet you through Susan. So I appreciate that. And I would like to do some more um, conversations about you know, the muscles, there's not very many people that I can talk to about it that understand. <laughs> so, yeah, my husband's like, mm -hmm. uh, mm. and so, it, you know what I mean? It's, uh, but there's, there's more that I'd like my audience to hear about what they can expect in their muscles and injury recovery and things yeah. that we could talk about, even cancer and some other things that we might be able that's to cover. That's huge for me that that's, uh, was my father passed away of pancreatic cancer. I'm sorry. That, that that's, was quite a while ago, but I wanted to do more. And, you know, what, what could I do? I didn't, I didn't have a firm understanding of what to do and what not to do. Uh, and then I, I met um, a young lady. Uh, I don't know if she's young, but her name is Iris Cahill. She's out of Boulder, Colorado. And uh, her whole practice is about breast cancer. And uh, she's developed some really uh, tremendous things to work with women, of course, women or men with breast cancer. And I've been honored to be her teaching assistant whenever she comes to Chicago when I host her. And uh, it's, I've learned so much. So I actually bring that into the classroom for, you know, entry level, you know, whatever you want to call it, but uh, I'm, I'm more than entry level. I give the students a lot. Um, so they're not afraid to work on somebody with cancer because I don't know when you went to school, but I was always taught you don't work on somebody with cancer because guess what? You're going to spread the cancer. It's like, Oh no, really? Seriously. Right. So I didn't touch anybody with cancer for a long period of time, but I did work on men who were dying of AIDS when I was in massage school. 
And uh, I got into a lot of trouble with wow, my nice. doctor. Uh, but I went to I went to a hospice center, and uh, I never wore gloves because you know if you wore gloves, you know the person already feels bad about themselves. So, uh, but I did a little bit more of my own research when I was in massage school about AIDS at the time, uh, and uh, I'm always going to stand by that research. And uh, so, been through a lot. I've done a lot. Uh, yeah. So, um, so with with movement, the way the muscles, especially working with athletes, and that's uh, uh, if I can plug my sports massage class. Of course, please. It's thirteen weeks. It's fifty two hours of sports massage education. I bring in some of the best experts that I know uh, to come in and talk about the pros and cons and what to expect. Uh, and uh, a good friend of mine, Terry Visalati, she works at Northwestern Hospital with the football team. She did work for the Chicago Bears for a little bit, and uh, she worked uh, with the Chicago Bulls for a little bit. So she talks a little bit about that. But the 13 weeks, we bring in uh, different techniques, things that we can do with our athletes <clears throat> that we won't do with our relaxation type of clients. And uh, so, plus you get a physical, a personal trainer certificate after, so I, I'm, I think I'm the only sports massage therapist instructor that uh, hands out a personal training certificate because I bring in what I know about movement into the class, uh, into that class. So that's amazing. I like the 52 hours. It's, it's better than anyone that I've heard around the country. And we had talked about this before, but I just want our listeners to know if anybody is interested in that, that's a great program. So um, I would highly recommend it. Anything else that would you'd like to share? I know we're sending, there's a lot of links for your, at least for your school, your continuing education. There's a great blog that you run. Um, how do people find you online? Uh, on Facebook. Okay. You're on Facebook. You can go to the School of Holistic Massage and Reflexology Facebook page. Okay. That's great. I would, I would rather point people there than my personal page because I do have opinions about stuff, but <laughs> okay. I do mingle massage and what I do with other stuff. You know, I'm not supposed to do that, but I do it anyway. Uh, but School of Holistic Massage and Reflexology, uh, they can uh, find the website at www.sohmar.com. Uh, and they can look at the website there. I try to update as much as possible. Uh, I'm just a one-man operation, and my wife is the webmaster, so when she has time, we'll make changes. I don't force her to do that, uh, but I do host a lot of continuing education classes, classes that I think are, uh, are very instrumental in the growth of any massage therapist, uh, and uh, the people that I do host, they also have the science behind them. Uh, and so it's, 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 it's good. It's a step by all the famous ones, uh, a couple of years during COVID 2020, I did have James Oslowski come oh, and yeah. I was really honored that he came. And I mean, he, he, he didn't have a lot of people, uh, everybody was hurting at that time. And I thought, you know, bro, you come, I'm not going to charge you anything for the rental of the room. Just come and continue to do what you do. I've never taken his classes. I just know he's a great guy. You know, I've so. taken all of his classes. They're amazing. He had yeah. a great, you know, he's, he's great. That's cool that you had him. So yeah. anything else? Um, is there, do you have a newsletter? No. 
Okay. So to sign up um, for, oh, go, go ahead. Uh, I have a blog on the website. Whenever I get the gumption to write something, <laughs> when I feel that spirit calling me to do it, I'll write it and I'll post it on the website. I do have a couple of interesting art uh, blogs that I have written uh, that uh, a lot of people have gone to and they're like, wow, didn't realize that or where'd you get that idea? Um, so I have my own viewpoints about things. Been doing this long enough. I get it. I, I get to do that. Uh, have my own opinion. Uh, but that I don't have a newsletter. But if they want to get a hold of me, uh, they can go to the website. And then I have my email address, info, info at somar.com. If they excellent. have any questions. I appreciate it. Thanks for your time today, Mike. And we will be in touch for our next um, our next conversation. How's that? Yeah, and hopefully by that time, I'll have my textbook of reflexology finished. Something I've been working on for a while. Ah. So. Okay. Great. Hopefully, I'll have it done by the next time we talk. That's good. All right. That's your that's your deadline, right? Yeah. <laughs> so. Just, uh, yeah. Just get a hold of me, and then we're we're good. Okay. Great. Thanks again. All right. Thank you, everybody. It was nice talking to y'all. Thanks for joining us today for this interview with Mike McAleese. All of his notes are in the show notes below. But if you don't have the show notes and like to get a hold of him, you can email him at somar1 at comcast.net. And somar is spelled S-O-H-M-A-R-1 at comcast.net. You can also always email me if you'd like at ruth at ruthcummings.com. If you have any questions or would like to be on the podcast, And I will see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Your Body Advocate with Ruth Cummings. We're so glad you've joined us today and truly believe you can live a pain-free, passion-filled life. To connect with Ruth, work with Ruth, or to grab your free ebook, go to ruthcummings.com. We'd love to hear from you. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss our next episode. Until next time, friends, be open, include the unincluded, think outside the box, and spread love and kindness one smile at a time.